0: Brent asked me to sing, just another Magento Monday, I have no idea what he is talking about and there is a reason why Brent isn't earning thousands of dollars on this podcast. The idiot forgot about this fantastic interview with Alex Teller and I had to find it. I am like, What the heck, Brents, get your together. The good news is that Brent has a couple of new people helping him. My name is Ruth, and I am doing some of these beautiful introductions. Magento's life as an e-commerce solution has been a roller coaster of a ride. Alex Teller is more excited about the future of the platform than ever. Alex talks about the flexibility of Magento and how it powered his business for over a decade. He dives into marketing and social media topics and more. Enjoy this great episode and please give us some feedback. Brent is only paying me in feedback right now. Good thing I am here to keep him on track.
1: Talk Commerce is brought to you by Content Basis. Have you tried machine learning programs only to find they give you repetitive garbage or worse information irrelevant to the context of what you asked for? Do you know if the content that you're using on your website is even performing? ContentBasis Basis exists to analyze, create, and measure the content that is crucial for your product or service. Content Basis analyzes your website analytics to learn what is performing well and what is not. We dig into your search history to discover what keywords people are using to find your product and services and what keywords people are using to find your competitors' products and services. We create a content plan to help you deliver content that wraps around your most vital products and services, and then we track the performance of this content, reassess it, and make it better. Go to contentbasis.io to learn more. The open beta program is available to new users. Go to contentbasis.io. Talk Commerce is sponsored by Haifa or as the Europeans say, Hufa, or the right way to say it, Hufa is rapidly becoming the biggest Magento front end after Luma. For those who don't know it, Luma is the basic theme that comes with Magento, and it is giantly slow. If you're looking for a template-based front end with the fastest loading times in the e-commerce industry while saving costs on development time and hosting infrastructure, Hufa is your best option. Everybody loves a fast site, including Google. Improve your Google ranking and conversion rates and make your customers happy. Learn more at hyva.io, that's hyva.io. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, talk commerce. Welcome to this Magento edition of Talk Commerce. Today I have Alex Teller. Alex is the CEO of Home Perfect. Alex, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us your day to day role, and maybe one of your passions in life.
0: Yep, my name is Alex Teller. I am the CEO of Home Perfect. We sell faucets and sinks, brand name, luxury products. We've been in business for about 10 years. Business is on Magento. I've been a Magento enthusiast for quite some time, and when I'm not in front of the computer uh, breaking my head trying to fix stuff, I like to collect old comic books.
1: Yeah, and I we both met at Meet Magento New York, and that was fascinating because my first experience in Magento with a client was on a comic book site. And I can't even remember the name now, but it's been like 12 years.
0: <laughs> you don't remember the name? Um,
1: I know. it's not terrible? Yeah, that's um, terrible, anyways, Did Anyways, we'll look for it after the show. And if I can find it, I'll even put a link on the episode notes. So before we get into this, what we're going to talk about, I do have an important project called the free joke project. It's hashtag free joke project. And I was, I'm going to tell a joke to Alex. All I would like is just a reaction. The idea is, should these jokes be open source or are they like paywalled jokes? Okay. So they're very short. Here we go. Dude. I know. Jeez. Yeah, maybe should we should. They should be open source.
0: Uh, they should be yeah, open definitely. source and patched and fixed for a decade before it's All right. stable.
1: Well, we're going to have to do two now. I'm going to read. I'm going to start. I'm going to do my second joke. Ready? A ghost walks into a bar. The bartender says, sorry, we don't serve spirits.
0: <laughs> that's so stupid yes very stupid <laughs> <laughs> all right all
1: right uh, <laughs> i appreciate you gotta, that you gotta pay for a joke that good yes all right oh, so redo on the first one the adjective for metal is metallic but not so for iron which is Ironic. Yeah. I don't know about that one. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> good thing I screwed it up to but, start with. But I feel with.
0: bad because it's because I don't know about that is like saying, oh, that should be open source. But I love open source.
1: All right. Good. I apologize. I, if I get
0: a tattoo. I would get the GNU public license across my back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Open yeah, source the license 3.0. So yeah, yeah. Alex, tell us a little bit about your journey into commerce and how you started Home Perfect.
0: Yeah, I was always buying and selling on eBay. I would say eBay is my favorite, to this day still, my favorite website ever because I do enjoy a, I do always have a collectible sort of nature to me. So I was buying and selling on eBay, and back then it might have been, I think I was like selling package software or DVDs. It it was a while ago. I've been buying and selling on eBay for so long that I was getting checks in the mail. And I wasn't even old enough to get a bank account. My parents needed to go in and sign me up so I could go deposit the checks. And then PayPal came out, and it was a game-changer for me because I I started to just get the money straight to So I was buying and selling on eBay, and then I knew I wanted to get into more e-commerce. And my father's an architect, and he put me in touch with some people that had access to some faucets and some sinks, and we hit the ground running, and we've been in business ever since.
1: That's awesome, and so you got you went from eBay to e-commerce. I know my wife had a business on eBay for a long time, a different type of business. So, what, to, just tell a little bit about what were you selling on eBay and how to. I'm still how, on eBay. My eBay username is Comic Palooza. Ah, so I, I understand NBA. what you're selling. It's not home I'm furniture 39. though. Nine
0: point eight percent positive feedback. One guy gave me
1: negative feedback. Oh, that's frustrating. I'll say it was that for I a had a sink
0: that I forgot to include. It was a heatsink and fan that I forgot to include the back plate for and it got shipped internationally. So the dude was in I don't know why this guy bought it from me, but I ripped it out of an old computer I upgraded and I got fifteen bucks for it. And the fifteen bucks was not worth that one negative feedback
1: to this. Day. Yeah, no kidding. My my experience so I all I had a, i used to have a retail computer store. I sold it, I ended up with a ton of inventory that everybody said was bad. I sold it all on eBay, it was amazing and nothing came back so anyways let's keep moving so e- you e- sold it um, all on ebay i sold everything i made was...
0: more money on it for some of it
1: yeah than this is a... ever sold it for in the store it was crazy yeah this was in the 90s but uh, yeah if some of the and stuff if you held
0: on to it it's probably worth 10 times the amount if it was like boxed computer games that are like box sierra games or something
1: i wish I, I also had a retail store called cd-rom city so i'm dating myself now yeah, um, Date
0: yourself it's all good man i was there <laughs> i was clipping the coupons for Comp USA on Saturdays, going on oh my Sundays, gosh. getting the mail and rebates. I love I that. Paid Ninety bucks for EDO, sixteen gigs of RAM, and I loved it.
1: <laughs> so we won't go and let's keep moving I forward I thought it was the
0: best deal. I was so excited. So d-
1: tell us a little bit about your current your current store and what you're doing, and is it hundred percent commerce, e-commerce, I should say.
0: Yep, it's 100% e-commerce. A home perfect is B2C. We have a large database. We have about 250,000 SKUs. And we have so many different product attributes because we have so many different product types. If it's something like a toilet has a one-piece toilet and a two-piece toilet. And they might have required accessories that are different. And one might ship LTL freight. One might ship FedEx ground There's so many different elongated toilets, round toilets. There's so many different product attributes and attribute sets that
1: because of just the
0: breadth of product mix, I felt like I almost had no choice to, to be on Magento. I think Magento has been a good fit for me because of that.
1: When you were evaluating platforms, did you look at other ones to try to do your store on?
0: Yeah. So back in 2012, we were on something called the Venda platform. It was software as a service before it was cool right? Back when it just sucked, when it didn't work. Now, Vendo was okay, but it got acquired by NetSuite, I think. And uh, at the time, we uh, we knew we needed to move to Magento. So we did. And Magento 1 worked very well for us for many years. Um, When it came time to migrating to 2, I did debate on whether or not I should move to another option. I had a way out, right? It was like, maybe I'll go to Shopify or maybe WooCommerce were the two that I was bouncing around on. But I felt The number of SKUs and the attributes would have been an issue on Shopify for me. And WooCommerce, as much as I like geeking out, I was familiar enough with Magento that I have a business to run. At the end of the day, I'm the CEO, right, not CTO, right? So as much as I love technology, I need to sell faucets on the Internet and toilets, right? How can I just keep the business running while upgrading the software? I took the plunge to two. It was a little bit rocky at first. I would say the performance for large databases wasn't there until maybe – for me personally, I saw the improvements at 240 or maybe 242. But now it is very stable for me. And I'm very happy being on it. I'm really finally getting to enjoy all the new technology and new benefits I have of being on it. And I'm having fun with it. So I'm glad now that I made that switch.
1: And I think you're in a particular market space that has a lot of, like you had mentioned, attributes. And those are just parts of a product that can ide- be identified. And in Magento's case, they worked also to make configurables and a like child products. So if you think about uh, on amazon that left side when you're navigating that's your attributes just for our listeners who aren't under understand the concept the your particular market is very attuned to having very complicated products that can balloon your skew count maybe talk about the challenges of having so many SKUs and how you've worked as a merchant to make customers be able to find the right product when they need to
0: yeah, short rent, it sucks. Let's take, for example, the lighting industry. The lighting industry will create new products, and they'll already have a SKU count of 2,000 codes. And then they'll just discontinue on a whim the next year. They might not have even produced some of these things. They just keep throwing stuff out there and put it on spreadsheets. And sometimes the information is so bare from the vendor, but at the same time, we have the information when we, when we go on their website. So at the end of the day, I think our customers know what they want. We're not really looking for the customer who is, oh, I want to redo my bathroom or kitchen, but I don't know what I want. We're very much looking for people that come into us with a branded part. And when they do, we want to at least be able to have that brand, that part number, that image, and offer ideally a compelling price for them. And we really want them to come to us not just for one item, but for a whole list, because we have salespeople that will walk them through a quote and make sure it's compelling enough or... We have a members-only price club that uses the Magento cart rules to, if they log in, a lot of the prices might be heavily discounted and make it compelling for them to use us. So that's where we are. We want you to go to us, maybe showroom first or maybe discover the product that you want somewhere else, but then come to us for the best deal.
1: Yeah, you mentioned price rules. Do you have ways to get your average cart value up in terms of when they're navigating through your site? You want to recommend other products, things like that?
0: I would say that's 1 million percent credit is given where credit is due to our recommendations, our AI-driven recommendations. We analyzed years of sales history, and we started with maybe maybe a more dumb AI, if you would call it, right, just saying which products were most often purchased with these products. But now that we've gotten more information and every sale makes, trains that and gets that smarter, we're now able to maybe use the category data to boost and optimize which Related products we show, it really helps. Sometimes a customer might come in and say, Oh, I I didn't know I needed this in wall tank carrier for this toilet. I don't know if we personally want that customer, but at least we show it, or we show the seat that goes with the toilet, or we show maybe a sink and faucet that other customer had purchased. So it's definitely very detail oriented for us. It needs to be exact and precise. And we're not selling a pair of sneakers. He's not just swapping out their faucet because they like a black one one day and a gold one tomorrow. They're making that investment for a while.
1: Yeah, and I think recommendations is something that really scales, especially as you grow your traffic and as more people, as you start collecting that information for what other customers are doing, that's where it really comes into play. Do you mind telling us which recommendation engine you're using for? You mentioned AI, so are you using an outbranded one?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm, I really value the close relationship I have with my host and provider cloudmachines.io. I think they specialize in large databases and, uh, and large catalogs and I think in particular they developed a, the they developed a software called computer.ai which is like product information management and also AI recommendations. I think I was like an alpha partner and now they're going to market pretty soon and adding some new clients so I'm really excited about what they've done with me and for them to be able to offer that to other customers.
1: What would, if you, if somebody were to come to you and say, I'm so afraid of machine learning, how would you get, how would you encourage another merchant to embrace the idea of machine learning?
0: I can really say it comes down to cost for us merchants. Some solutions are just too costly and I personally can't sign a contract, it can't spend crazy amounts on budget I have to allocate a certain amount towards ads and I have to stay profitable I'm not a company that's looking for I, I looked into you Brent you said something about how like you had loss leaders at your software store we're looking to make money on every order and I'm not saying we're gouging our customers we're, we're delivering a competitive price but we can't give away these items we need to we need to make money and if we start spending a lot on very expensive features we could just kill our whole budget. If somebody is scared about the concept of AI, me personally, if I were to, as somebody who's probably more computer geek than most business path sorts of people, I would just show them the price and tell them that they have nothing to lose if it's priced well enough and if if there's really no commitment.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I've talked to a a number of different, say, fraud providers, and they use AI to help help with the transactions to make sure, hey, is this a fraudulent transaction, non-fraudulent? And I always give the example of a client that we had in Mexico who had a call center that would call every single merchant to make sure that it's the right merchant, right? And at some point, that just doesn't scale anymore. Like, you want to fulfill that item. And I think anything that has to do where – Machine learning can help you as a merchant scale your business. That's where it works. And Adobe has a Sensei, which it it sounds is very similar to what you had in in your competitor.ai. There are so Computer. many AI or competing to Computers, win. Competitor, sorry. Yeah. Yes, computer. <laughs> Sorry about that. Computer. Yeah, there's just so many different places where you can get wins, and I think people need to embrace it more. And the other thing is that it has to learn; like, it needs to be there. It has to start collecting data and it has to learn from it. But
0: it needs. But um, cost is so prohibitive. Just to use your example of fraud. There's so many, and I see the I see the potential, and I see why there's fraud fraud companies out there, right? Me personally, just to shed some light on what I use for fraud, I have MaxMind filters, right? And I pay them a very nominal fee per transaction to pay thresholds that I'll then review. And I'll, uh, am I self insured? Yes. But if I went with a company that insures me on those frauds too, it, the cost would just be completely not make sense for us. So that's the solution that I did. And I put a lot of faith in MaxMind to, to machine learn and catch the frauds for me. But I've been very fortunate and very observant, and I like the software, and I think that it does work for me. So I was able to keep costs down by doing that.
1: As a medium-sized merchant, do you find competing against the big stores like Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that, do you find that because you're so targeted in what you're doing that you're getting you're offering a much better value for what the clients are like getting? Like
0: Home Depot maybe is better for a lot of things. If you came to me and you were like, hey, I want a new toilet, Alex, and I'm in California, And I'm like, okay, Brent, what toilet do you want? And you're like, oh, I saw this one at Home Depot. It's 150 bucks. I would say go to Home Depot. Definitely go to Home Depot. And while you're there, pick up a faucet. Because that toilet for me to ship to you, if I wasn't shipping directly from a West Coast fulfillment center, which I can do with Magento with MSI, it's so expensive to ship something. Like, I almost don't even want the sale. It might get damaged. And it's not really a luxury toilet. If you take, for example, the Total Neo Rest, which is really cool, and it has a integrated needed bidet seat. And I tell everyone you're a plebeian if you don't have a bidet. You gotta have one. That $150 toilet doesn't have that. And it doesn't have an auto-close lid, it's air deodorized, it doesn't have a concealed connection so you don't even see the wires. But that Total NeoRest toilet costs 3,000 bucks. So it's different customers. And for us, we're trying to give them the best possible product at a good price.
1: So the niche part of it or the specific market segment that you're serving serves you well because you're working on being a targeted – you're targeting certain types of clients and what you're doing, and that's been successful. That's a good representation. Yeah, I,
0: all the time. And even my father will be like, I gotta. I need a new light fixture for a rental place in Brooklyn. And I'll be like, let's go to Home Depot. Let's go do it, man. This is 150 bucks. They, they do a great job with lighting. So everyone – and, or let's go on Amazon and let's let's find something that, where it is, there's it, it, just different customers, like different things, and there's enough of a market that what we offer is really more branded luxury products.
1: What do you think is the most exciting thing right now in the e-commerce space? What's getting you excited about it? I would
0: it? say, personally, the amount of AI in terms of recommendations and ways to retarget customers, but... I think the costs have finally gotten to the point where it makes sense for someone like me. A couple years ago, even something like email marketing platforms, they were so expensive for what you got and the value-added services of recommendations. It just put me between a rock and a hard place because I value software, and I truly understand why it costs that, but I personally... If I just started to find the best, I wouldn't be able to stay in business how I do it. So I think we're at an exciting stage. Certain things have gotten more complex to pull off, but certain things are also more possible to pull off for less money. So I'm excited to delve deep into that and make it work for me. So
1: you mentioned you mentioned email marketing. I'm in a business group and our topic uh, one of the topics that came up on Tuesday was people think that social media is going to be your savior as a merchant. How do you determine how much I should do on Google Ads on on social media on on just an email or a blog post or whatever? How do you it's break all different. out that Like
0: a good buddy of mine um, has silveragecomics.com a site that we helped make on—it's still on Magento one—but it works for him, and he does a lot of sales on Instagram. We're selling vintage comics on Instagram, and we'll go live and we'll have a couple drinks and sell. We sold like a twenty-five thousand dollars low-grade copy of the first appearance of the Flash on Instagram, which is crazy. And we'll sell a ton of hundred-dollar books and fifty-dollar books. But to get a twenty-five thousand dollars sale on Instagram is nuts. And for him, something like social is more important. For us, a lot of our customers aren't really on it that much they'll be like they don't even know how to use a computer that well (laughs) sometimes or they don't care like they just they know what they want and they want a good price and they know they're going to get a tracking number in an email and so while for this particular business certain things aren't embraced in terms of allocating marketing budgets i would say yeah there's more budgeted on google right or amazon but but on other businesses it could be everything
1: Yeah, you took the answer out of my mouth. It is specific to businesses, and I think as you're even getting into B2B more, the social aspect of it isn't as important as some of the other channels you have to help market your business. I think that one thing I know Gary Vee always says is if it's there, try it don't, and don't, test please it. Please don't. I, uh, I, what do you I, do I, for you testing? Gary, some. I, I,
0: uh, I was talking to Kaylin at the Meet Magento after party right before I talked to you, and he was like, "Hey, man, you know you remind me of, dude. Like, you remind me of Gary." And I was like, "Bro, like, I, I please, I, I'm not. Like, I'm my own person." And he's like, "Nah, but you probably go to the flea markets and stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, I go to the flea markets, and you probably buy a bunch of things, and so, like, I do that." But I just, I don't know. I'm not really the. I very much get a thrill from a from an actual sale, but I'm not gonna like say something more broad. I'm very specific, and maybe that just comes from having more of a technical background as well. Yeah.
1: No. So what I was going to say is that testing things and trying things out are always important. And I guess going back to social media, how much do you test on those social platforms to see if it's going to if it's going to bring you some business from those? Are they going to convert to a sale if you did yeah, videos uh, on it? not
0: for the $4,000 toilet, but maybe for the $300 Washwood seat. The thing is you never want to get too comfortable just doing one thing and you always want to try everything, but... Sometimes that fear of missing out, you get grounded when – it's a grounding feeling when before you know it, you have no more money left in your bank account. So it's a humbling feeling to be like, I have no money to do this. And I'm not saying we don't have the money to do it. I'm just saying you always need to think from the perspective of maintaining a profit line, you know?
1: Yeah, so fear of missing out is a great—it's a great example, and then also the capacity and the bandwidth to do all those different things you'd like to it's try. It's amazing too, Brent. Um, it's
0: amazing to not get off the subject from... just to say social media is incredible. The, the fact that we could go on Instagram at midnight from my friend's comic shop in Queens and get two hundred people in a stream, a hundred people in a stream, and have people just buy is such an amazing sort of like feeling. Like it's so empowering to be like we just made our own home shopping network. Like feeling it with our own we're, we're probably a little bit we're cracking jokes and we're being a little bit wayne's worldy but it's but the customer likes it too and that creates like a personal relationship like i ran into a guy after we did that show and he was like "Yo, oh man like you're the guy drinking like your cup was like it looked like you were drinking a cup of pee bro And i'm like what are you talking about dude it was like i think it was like gatorade Well, it's the guy was watching, like you had a captive audience and he remembered and he came up to you and it's, and that didn't cost anything. It was free and it was sincere and it was memorable. So depending on what you're doing, it could be the most important thing.
1: Do you think as we're going into the future for content and conversational content, the content that's wrapped around each piece of your products, like if you have a SKU that one of that $3,000 toilet. Writing $5,000 toilet, sorry. (laughs) Is that content around that, say you're writing blog posts or social or whatever, or maybe more blog posts, that's pointing to that content, educating people on why that, what's about that, and the features, and breaking that content into larger content? It's totally important. Is that more
0: important now? What'd you say? It's
1: totally important. Is that more. Yeah, yeah. um, it's also
0: not our own brand, right? If I had my own private label, Washlet, I would be doing even more at the end of the day at the end of the day i have thousands of codes and i get information from vendors and then i can use like a software like computer to get more information from vendors but i can't like i there's only so many hours in a day and i can keep going and i can keep adding more and maybe some good reviews help but i'm a b2c and i'm selling something that people can get in a lot of different places I think what's compelling about me is they're getting a great deal. You
1: mentioned, you mentioned having, you mentioned b 2 and you mentioned having the email earlier. And we always hear email is dying or email is dead. Your email list, are they still bringing in good yes. returns? And do you see email going into the future?
0: Yes, they're bringing traffic. I think you get so many emails every day that they all bore together to be like nothing. But you do see traffic and you see like an interesting, sometimes I look at Google Analytics and I'll be like, man, I sent this email like three months ago. This guy just bought this. And if if the more you do, the more you get. Are our emails a little bit spammy? We're throwing a lot of coupon codes. And are they targeted? To an extent, somebody renovates their house once every few years. Ideally, you're trying to get some contractors maybe or some architects or designers and give them some sort of incentive to to work with you directly in bulk. But uh, I don't think it's going away, no you think it's going away, Brent?
1: No, I think email is going to remain strong. I saw a tweet the other day that we need a spam folder for texting, though, and I would say that texting can get super annoying. And I've signed up for a couple of different brands. for. They say, we'll text you every once in a while to send you a coupon, and then all of a sudden I'm getting a text twice a week.
0: Yeah, I get a text from a gun range, me and my wife. She's from Texas, but... We go to near her house is like a, there's an archery range on the second floor and a gun range on the first floor. And we just did archery there like once. And they send me texts. They're like, come to Valentine's Day at Saddle River Range. Like extra ammo is half price. And I'm like, it, I like it, but it's, it's lost on me. I'm in Brooklyn. Yeah. I'm not going to Saddle River Range for Valentine's
1: Day. <laughs> Maybe that would be something that you should try this year.
0: I would definitely do it if I was there. Just shout out to Saddle River Rage guys. You, you, the texts working guys. Keep texting me. Yeah. I read it.
1: I guess the point one of the points I'm trying to make is that there is a tipping point. Email we don't want texting to turn like people say my texting inbox is something that I everybody reads the text. At some point, yeah.
0: Unless it's five or 80 friends from high school. Yeah. <laughs> <sharing> <laughs> you go text group
1: that goes around and around. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. If you had some kind of nugget to tell a merchant that, in it, that they should be doing maybe what they could still do for Black Friday, but then what's what they should be doing as they're planning into quarter one of next year, what would that be?
0: Yeah. So I never do any code upgrades right around now, like just because, especially with Magento, I'm just like, oh God, I might not realize something else went wrong for another month. And it's a trickle-down effect, and then I'm breaking my head on who knows where, Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, right? Like, just fixing something, which has happened. But uh, I think for Black Friday, you just want to get organized and say, what are you doing? What am I going to do? What are my sales going to be? Am I offering coupon codes? Make sure the for us, Google promotions are really important. Google ads are really important. Submitting, leaking the coupons and just making sure, you know, you're ready because there's so many things to switch leading up to Black Friday. Only to then switch it all back, right? Like you're like, man, I have coupon codes and I'm lowering prices and then I'm activating this and it's only for this day and then this day. And then like once Black Friday's over, oh, my God, Cyber Monday. And then you should know Cyber Monday is going to be extended to Cyber Tuesday. But come that Wednesday, you're stuck reverting a lot of stuff back. And if you don't, all your marketing efforts might get mixed up and might cause a trickle-down effect of a headache. So just be organized.
1: Yeah. So plan, organize, make sure. I like that. I think a lot of people don't think about the fact that maybe they didn't turn off their coupon codes after some time. And certainly Magento, it's easy to just make the coupon code stop working on the day after Cyber Monday or whatever, whenever you want to stop it.
0: Yeah, it is. But if you don't do it, right, it's like somebody's adding that extra 5% on something where you only had... it's like, oh, and then it's like, what do you do? As the
1: years go on, it becomes
0: more difficult to, like, reach out to the customer and explain to them what you did. Right. Alex,
1: as I close out, as we finish off the podcast, to give everybody an opportunity to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like to plug. It could be your business or any anything, your school or something, anything you'd like to plug. What would you like to plug today?
0: Sure. If you happen to have acquired any comic books that say $0.10 cent or $0.12 cent on the cover price, maybe some $0.15, cent, None of that new stuff. Don't hit me up and be like, oh, I got these 90s books. I don't want them. One or two of them, but not all of them. Hit me up. You could even email alex at homeperfect.com. Instagram, Lucky 7s NYC. I'm born and raised in Manhattan. Or on eBay at Palooza. I'm always buying. I'm paying cash for your collectibles. And in particular, 60s Marvel books. I can give you a good deal, and I'd love to buy bulk, and i buy collections. I'd buy inheritances. I'll go anywhere, and I'll come to you and Let's just let's buy these books. I like to keep some of them for myself. I am a collector too, but I do also
1: sell. Awesome! It sounds like you should also have a online comic business. Maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, <laughs> Alex. Thanks so much for being here today. It's been an enjoyable conversation, and I wish you all the best on your your BFCM, as they like to say nowadays.
0: Yeah, but it's BFCMCT.
1: What is a CT? Black C-
0: Friday, Cyber Monday. Cyber Tuesday, extended.
1: Extended. There you go. And then there, we'll call it Christmas in July soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. God, I, don't, I think it'll just be year round. With us, it's always year round. If you join our perfect members-only price club and you sign into your account, all the prices are cut in half. So every day is Black Friday at Home Perfect. We're just trying to get you the best possible deal on your full renovation.
1: Awesome. I will put all these links into the show notes, and I appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Alex.
0: Thank you, Brent.